what's going on? Welcome to the Mike Janela Show. I am Mike, obviously. This is part two of my two-part conversation with Barbara Barnett Abel. She is a talent coach, a casting director, a talent developer extraordinaire. She's got so many stories about her years in Hollywood, the record business, and all that fun stuff that we could not contain into just one episode. If you are coming to this fresh and you haven't checked out part one, make sure to go to wherever you found this episode. But if uh, you're not sure where that was, MikeJanela.com has all of the old episodes. You can also find The Mike Janela Show on iTunes and also on Stitcher. So make sure to check out part one. But like I said, we had so much to talk about. We broke it up into two episodes. So make sure to enjoy the rest of my conversation with Barbara. Here we go. Does it make your job harder, all this glut of of, of people? Because everything's a stage, everything's a microphone now. In a way, you get to see a lot more talent and a lot more people come to the surface. But you also got a lot more crap you have to sift through, uh, to be blunt. Does that make your job easier or harder, having all this access and all these people that have access to those platforms? It's both. It's a great question. It's both. Um, because you do, you just get tons and tons and tons of the same. And so you're looking for, like, where's that little spark? And so there are all those other things, I mean, that still matter. It's like I'm looking for work ethic, professionalism, good attitude, because, you know, the talent and the skill set gets you in the door. Like, you know, like that's the baseline requirement. We, you know, the, the ability to do the job, yeah, of course. Like, but then it's like what, why, what makes you versus all the other people who met the basic criteria. Mm-hmm. So, um, yes, that does make it harder. But it still makes it exciting. I mean, it's still you find people doing all sorts of stuff. So, I mean, I still love it. That part I still find, you know, exciting. And when, when somebody can make me laugh or entertained or enlightened, I, you know, I love that. Do you laugh sometimes when you look back at your job or what you had to do 10 years ago, even five years ago, and think, you know, how different it used to be than, than how it is now? Yes. Yes. In fact, you know, not surprisingly, or maybe this surprised people, but you know, like most industries, we have our own little sort of secret Facebook groups and things right, and we chat right. and share information. And for any of us who've been doing this for a while, there is a lot of that. Like I get nostalgic for VHS tapes because, <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of things, obviously, you know, why I love digital, but VHS, you just popped it in and popped it out. I wish I could, you know, counting the minutes of time I spent waiting for things to load. Yeah, buffering, pre-roll ads. Buffer- oh. oh, my God. It used to, oh. So, you know, it used to be in, out, in, out. Yes, done, moved, great, easy. And so, we, so, so much has changed. And then, obviously, I mean, like social media and having to be able to you sort of justify everything. And so, I, it, it is actually an interesting you know, point and to take a minute to think about it is that has really changed everything and, and to make people aware that so when I was at MTV Networks in the 90s it was Wild West-ish and um, there was money and even though we worked on tight budgets there was still a lot of like, you know, encouragement to take risks, be very creative try things. We're in a very different climate now where so much media has been consolidated into the hands of a few this is where we get through this is a deep dark yeah, the inside, I mean, the inside baseball. But I mean, but there are there are only a handful of companies that control media around the world, and there are a handful of companies that control on the factual programming side who control up to like seventy percent of the unscripted programming globally. And that's another part. Like, it's really important to understand the business and know how money's made and who the who the players are. But so with that, people are a lot less um, open to risk. And so there's a lot more quantifying things. And so, like, when I think about when I did Queer Eye for the Straight Guy, 
Scout Productions had never done a TV show. They created a revolutionary show. I don't think that could happen now in this climate. If As untried producers, they would have been nested with a, a bigger company with a track record. Mm-hmm. That's how that works now. What they did then, we didn't do sizzle reels then. They pitched that show off a of PDF. <laughs> no kidding. Which was also incredibly creative of them then because it used to be you could pitch shows verbally and get them sold. This was, they went in and showed the visuals because it was so hard to comprehend what it would be like to have like five gay men making over street men. Like, what are you talking about? So they did this amazing sort of mock-up of the befores and the afters and, you know, what the Fab Five looked like. And they kind of looked like the guys from Reservoir Dogs, only better wearing their Prada suits. (laughs) And it was so, you know, incredibly innovative then. And then, you know, then you wake up one day and it's a, you have to make sizzles. And then you wake up one day and here's a big one, was it used to be that the, networks paid you to make that stuff. Like they got paid to make your sizzles and your and your pilots. Now the production company assumes that cost and that risk. So people get less and less and less open to risk. Which means why you know, as as a creative or, you know, talent who wants to be talent, you need to understand how much you need to then assume yourself to mark yourself, to create, to demonstrate you have the skill set and that you're marketable. And you do that through your social media by, you know, creating content and putting it up on YouTube, not even necessarily because you think, you know, the ship has kind of sailed to be a YouTube star at this point. Mm-hmm. But the fact that you're there and you're present and you're creating content is very important. What do you so, – oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. So I was just, so, I mean, that was just sort of wrapped that up is it's like, we're much, much, much less rest, you know, open to risk. So you have to be able to like prove your worth. And that's the one thing you, a little nugget that you mentioned there, how it's sort of the ship sailed on being a YouTube star at this point. And I think that's even difficult nowadays because as soon as something becomes uh, big enough, whether it's YouTube or then you become a Vine star or you're a Snapchat, you know, star, as soon as that becomes something that people, the mainstream think, oh, maybe I could try that. It's already on to the next thing. So what do you see anything coming up down the pike? What's kind of the next cool thing that people can maybe start angling their career towards? Oh my gosh, you have just uh, you just asked the big question. It's like, you know, I finally feel like like everybody, like, oh my god, I finally mastered Twitter. I finally got like my Instagram game going. I feel like I can't be on Snapchat because my kids are and they would just be like horrified. <laughs> um same thing with Vine, like, Mom, no, I don't think so. Yeah. But um, but your thing is, like, I, I think, like, a lot of people, I have this low-level anxiety that's like, what's the next thing? And am I going to get the memo, or am I not going to get the memo? Because I was so late to everybody else's party that, ugh. And you don't want to so waste your time is, jumping on the wrong thing, so you want to make sure you're on the right thing, but then maybe it's too late. Yeah, it's a lot. Anxiety's right. Yeah. Uh, but with that, like, certain things are not going away. Like, you know, now this year, you just seeing like, you know, how Facebook constantly evolves, you know, for good and for bad, but I mean, overall for good, because there was that while then, you know, they changed the algorithm and then it's like pay to play. And then you figure out, oh, it's only five bucks to pay. So that's doable. But I meant like they change a lot of stuff, but they keep re-upping their relevance. And this, you know, now they're such a huge, important news source. And the fact now that um, the the original video on Facebook. So they're sort of smart in the way they're staying ahead of the game. So that it is important to have a, like a toehold in Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think, tw- even for all the business hoo-ha about Twitter, I don't think it's going away. I love it, actually. And so I think what happens is now it's just, we get more and more siloed into the platforms that we enjoy and why. And so I think it is good just to sort of, you know, be good at what you like 
and staying relevant in that place. But part of it is, is, is it's still incumbent. I can't tell you how much pushback I get, especially from actors on this. I'm like, no, you don't get it. Everybody's looking at your numbers. And your, you know, engagement level. And first of all, just even to be there, it's like so, because everybody needs to be part of the marketing campaign. Yeah, I mean, I find that even with just being a consumer, there's so much TV to watch now. If I'm watching a show that I dedicated two seasons to, but the third season, it's just not working for me, I'm going to cut it off. I'm going to, like you say, silo into the stuff I know I'm going to like. So it's kind of the similar, you silo into what you know you're good at and what you enjoy. Because I think there's just too much going on right now. There's so much. That's why it is. It's like be really good in your lane. Right. So there is impact. It's like, so when sometimes it's the thing to clarify about numbers that superficially it's easy to be like, whoa, someone's got, you know, some massive thing. But we do, because I've spent, God, this is not new. I mean, it's been five, six years that I've through, you know, the casting process. And I should even back up and explain to people. It's like when you come into audition, I don't just show them, my client, you know, the link to your audition. I have to send them what's called a pitch packet. I send them your headshot, a link to your website, little notes about what I thought about you, your social media statistics. And this is not new. This has been going on, you know, five, six, seven years that I've been doing this. We've all been doing this. So um, people sometimes are like, you're kidding. I'm like, nope, that's how it works. And so you want to focus on what you can control. So that's why I really encourage people. It is important to have a website and different things because then if you've controlled the, the message, I like your message. You made my life easier. So I'm going to, if you have a website and it's all one-stop shopping, thank you. You made my life simpler and you control what we see about you. I don't know why you'd want me trolling YouTube trying to find clips of you and trying to pull photos off the internet. And then you end why? up on that keg stand video from the frat party back in 05, that, and that's the last I thing you am, want. <laughs> I'm not joking. That does happen. I was like, ooh. Yeah. And I might not have looked otherwise. Right. So, um, yeah. So anyway, but with that, with looking at those numbers, sometimes you know you could have not particularly huge numbers of followers. Uh, you know, let's say 5,000, 10,000, but then I check your clout score and other analytics. And it's like, whoa, this person has a wildly engaged audience. That's really valuable. And the one thing, one bad thing, I think that a lot of this, uh, an effect of this is a lot of copycatting, a lot of impersonating. You see someone that's been successful and you think, oh, I'm just going to do my version of that as opposed to what you want to do or what you're good at. And whether that's tweeting the same kind of things or doing the same kind of snaps or just changing your voice to talk like someone else talks, are there any trends you're seeing that you just you don't like that are kind of spreading like wildfire that people may think are a successful way in, but it just makes you roll your eyes? That is such a good question. Thank you. I've never even stopped to think about that. It does bring up a begs a bigger thing, though, is, and it, it's the fact that the truth is there are not that many talented people. <laughs> yeah, we can't I mean, all like, be winners. There are more people who want to do this or think that they can than probably can. However, you know, with that said, I do love, I love my quotes, right? And so, which Twitter is all about the inspirational quote, but I do love this one that says, hard work trumps talent when talent doesn't work hard. Mm -hmm. So I do believe, I mean, there are people who are like, you know, B plus, A minus in the talent category, but they are incredibly strategic, hardworking, committed, and they will succeed more than some of the people who are just like naturally unbelievable talents, but they're lazy. Right. And don't want to put in the work. Right. So, um, there is that. And I, I have to say the other thing too, is it, it, all this stuff takes time. So it's hard in the beginning not to be a little derivative or imitative because you're like, well, I don't even get this. 
or, you know, for many of us, regardless, like my business, I mean, I have to be good on social media. Everybody does. If you're a dentist, you have to be good on social media now. It's just ridiculous. So, you know, with that said, a lot, for a lot of people, this is hard because it takes you away from your core competency. I mean, I can understand as an actor being kind of resentful going, my gift is acting. My gift is not marketing. I'm like, I get it. But the business requires it now. Yeah, it's funny. So it takes time to like sort of like stay in, stay open-minded, sort of study objectively and try to figure out best practices. And a lot has to do with finding your voice and sort of getting comfortable with what that is. And then that becomes this whole other conversation about branding and what that means. And staying true to like what are your brand values and understanding, you know, what is smart for you to be talking about and, you know, what is not smart or how do you do that? But also being a risk taker because if you're going to just be, you know, bland, which we went back to, you're going to get nowhere. <laughs> right. Now, it's funny. Now, even today, I like you say, I, you mentioned a dentist. If, I, if I'm looking up a wings place or uh, a sock store and they don't have a, a Facebook page or they don't have a website, all of a sudden, I'm like, man, I'm not going there. These guys are terrible. So, yeah, it goes, it goes everywhere, not just in this industry, but in this industry, obviously, a lot more important to do so. That's exactly right. Like, I coach people. You'd be, you know, I never would have thought this would have been a part of my business, but because – all of this is, is necessary now that I, and that's why I come up with the dentist, you know, example, but I do work with professionals who come because they need to create video for their website that's on a business to business level, basically like personality reels to attract customers that never, you never get, what, you know, in the past, nobody would have ever had to do that. But now it's like, you know, hi, I'm Dr. Janella. And let me explain to you why you want me to extract your teeth and not the guy down the street. You know, you need to have a website that's welcoming and there's more and more use of video. More and more people have to, there's a video component, whether even that's like Skype, to job interviews now. It's like some crazy, like 70, 80% of jobs now involve video at some point in the process. Hmm. It's insane. And just saying, Dr. Janella, if my grandma's listening, I think you just gave her a heart attack because that's her dream. <laughs> that's her dream. And I never made it down that road. Um, last thing I want to ask you before we get into our fun five, which is our little usual ending bit. Uh, this is something I came across an interview you did with uh, SheNow.org. This was about three years ago and talking about my grandma and family expectations. But you talked about how it was very important for you to have your 20s for yourself, professionally and personally. You got married a little bit later. Can you just please tell my mom if she's listening that, that that's okay, that I'm doing the right thing, uh, focusing on my career at this point? That is so 100% okay. Oh, thank you. And that goes back <laughs> to my notes for Mike Janella that I wrote because I want to ask you what prompted you to start doing the podcast. Okay, so we'll save the fun five for the end. This is now the, the turnaround portion. Um, yeah, I just wanted a place, uh, and to full disclosure, I, I took one of your classes, one of Barbara's classes, and this is how we got to know each other. And I remember you, your big thing was find your voice, find your brand, find who you are. And I realized that I know a lot of cool people. I like talking. I like having these kind of conversations where I'm learning about people and we're having a back and forth. And I had nowhere to no platform, no area to do that. So I figured a podcast is easy. You buy the microphone, the equipment, it doesn't cost that much. And you have the internet and you can get onto iTunes relatively easily. And I just figured, let's do it. And this was a chance to just talk to cool people and sort of keep my brand fresh and, and network and all that professional stuff, but also just to have, you know, fun talks. Um, I could be today just watching Netflix right now, which would be great, but getting to talk to you is fun too. So I figured why not have a chance to do that on a consistent basis? Well, A, I'm super proud of you because oh. you're putting your thoughts into actions, right? And you're focusing on something you can control because you can create this. And now this is another sort of marketing, branding, you know, calling card. But also, I, I hope the answer is yes. But do you find yourself getting better? Like each time you do this, you're sharpening your skills, you're a better performer. 
Definitely. And I remember the first one I did and the first couple I did were just with good friends of mine. We still had some kind of cachet in terms of why they would be good interview subjects. But I wanted to just get a safety net and get a couple reps in. And listening back to some of those now, I, I still do have the time to go back and sort of critique myself. I think it's night and day. I'd like to think so. And you learn different things that you can improve on time to time. Uh, being on the subway, taking the four train downtown every day, you spend a lot of time stuck in train traffic. So it's good to listen and, uh, and hear back and, and try and self-critique. But I think so, yeah. Your dream come true. You're doing everything you should be doing, which gets to my one of my next favorite quotes from Confucius, which it, it's like, it doesn't matter how slowly you go, just as long as you don't stop. Right. That's a good one, yeah. Hey, he had a couple of good nuggets, that Confucius. I think he's going to make it big someday. I, I agree with you. But <laughs> I do love that because I think one of the biggest things is, you know, sort of, sort of takeaway to wrap up is that um, everything takes longer than you think it will. Do you know what I mean? Because mm -hmm. we all, we want it now and it's like, okay, I know i got to get a website and then it's shocking how much longer it takes to put together your website than you could ever imagine and on and on and on and on. But it's like hang in there. If you're really doing the work and strategically and smartly like you are, you're creating opportunity. It will happen. It just takes time. I think I've heard a similar one. It's that's why sharks always move or else they die, I think, if they stay stationary. So it's that's a little bit more macabre, I think, than Confucius. But yeah, always always be moving. It's it's funny, actually, uh, I didn't know this until I was looking on your website yesterday when I was prepping, but uh, were you responsible for getting Katie Linendahl on Spike TV for her show? I was. She actually, uh, at the time we're recording this, I actually recorded a podcast with her just last night, which I think is going to go out before this one goes out. Um, and she was saying how now she's all over the place, but and everyone thinks it just came overnight, but she's actually been you know, plugging away for 15, 16 years at this. And what looks like overnight to anybody watching has really been you know, decades plus to the people actually involved. So I think it's, it's good perspective to keep that you uh, just mentioned there before. Okay. First of all, lucky you, because Katie Linendahl is fantastic. Uh, she's the best. But here's like backstory. So Katie Linendahl took my class, I don't know, 10 years ago? when she was a writer at ESPN, uh -huh. which I'm sure must have come up here. But here's the thing, like Katie Linendahl made it to the callbacks for Man vs. Food, which is not a secret because every now and again, they air the pilot on the Travel Channel. And I, I mean, they air the callbacks as part of it, and you can see her. I mean, she was the girl who wow. made it to the final three or four, eating some crazy big-ass sandwich um, at Katz's Deli. So the, to your point, and so she, she's doing so many things right, like constantly honing her skills, but also an incredibly good networker. Mm -hmm. We've always stayed in touch. And uh, so anyway, so I was thrilled when it worked out with Spike. Yeah, and now she's, yeah, taking over the world. So you can take yeah. your, your stake in that. Um, all right. Any, did you have any more for me? I don't want to cut you off before we get to our, uh, our last little bunch here. No, I'm chatty. I could chat forever there, Mike. So <laughs> yeah. you just cut me off whenever we, you need to. We may end up breaking this into a two-parter, and that's how you get double the content. Um, <laughs> so that'll be good. Um, all right, cool. This is uh, this is the fun five. And I, usually I try and keep these off the cuff and try and surprise the people because I want a true, genuine gut reaction. But I gave you a hint of one when we were talking before we came on the air. So the first question, you're a huge hockey fan. You're a huge Rangers fan. And I had asked you, and I don't know if this gave you you know, agony pains trying to pick one over the other or if you knew the answer right away. But are you a Richter or a Lundqvist person? Lundqvist. Really? Even though, I mean, Mikey brought you guys a cup. So I will say that before my day in the Rangers world. Okay. And so I do not be smirched and say, oh, my God, and my birthday is the same day as Wayne Gretzky's. Oh, wow, nice. Um, although he is slightly older than I am. 
but I mean, I do love my Henrik Lundqvist on so many levels. Yeah, it's kind of, that's me with like my Giants fandom, because growing up in New Jersey, it's kind of split Giants and Jets, and I could never really pick one side. And I became a Giants fan sort of after the first Super Bowl that they won uh, in the Eli Manning era. So, you know, I same like you. When people say, oh, he's your favorite Giant of all time, it's with the caveat, well... You know, I'm 2008 on, um, so I can understand where you're coming from with that. Yeah, I came I came late to the hockey party as a hockey mom. Oh yeah, that's got to be. I mean, that's all. That's a lot of driving, a lot of equipment lugging. That's some long hours, isn't it? It's so smelly. That's the thing <laughs> no one ever talks about. You're like a walking Febreze commercial with this advertisement oh, here. You have no idea. <laughs> All right, question fun five, question number two. Um, if it was one of those old man versus food challenges and Adam calls you and he says, oh, I can't make it to the episode today, you've got to come replace me, what's the one food you think you'd have the best shot at winning an eating contest with? Sushi. Ooh, any particular kind? Well, now, of course, I'm going to stop and like get really strategic and competitive on you, so I'm thinking, huh, um, <laughs> you know, like gooier rolls of some kind mm -hmm. but i mean that's just something i feel like i can my i could eat really <laughs> i can eat a lot of sushi i'm finally starting to figure sushi out because for years I, I avoided it i wasn't sure how much to order is one roll enough do i need five rolls and then finally i'm starting to fine-tune what exactly uh i can order because it, it was a confusing process for me at first Question number three, you've, I mean, you look at your website and the crediting section and the things you've put people on and it's, it's almost endless. Is there any TV channel or network that you haven't gotten someone casted on that you would want to? Is there a, a, a great white whale for you out there? Oh my gosh, what a great question. Um, no, but I might have to come back to you on that. Okay, you can stew on it, and then if anything pops up before we yeah, I don't know if there's something here. on my vision board that I had, like somebody I haven't, but also because there are formats I don't know about yet. If mm -hmm. that makes sense, sure. You know, like what's the next, like fabulous frontier, and just being on the forefront of that. So yeah, how can you vision something that doesn't exist yet? But that's kind of the secret of the business, right? Well, to sort of answer your question, I would love to do something that's really global, because that's where I think we're really headed, and you know, to work on projects where it's going to be, it's going to be a, a, a global launch. Okay. Interesting. If you could only use one social media platform out of all the ones that you have now, which one would you stay with? Twitter. Why is that? Because it's, it, I, it's just easy. I enjoy it. And what things I like about Twitter is because, um, I am verbal and I like my Twitter community a lot. I like my Instagram I mean, I like them all. See, now I'm like completely like apologizing. <laughs> but um, but one of the things I find with Twitter, because it's verbal and a lot of the people that I follow are, I just am lucky enough to like connect with an amazing community of people. They tend to be like smart and funny mm -hmm. and, and engaged. And so you, I don't have the, I mean, I get the same thing that everybody else does on Facebook where everybody else's babies are cuter and everybody's going on much better vacations than I am <laughs> and landing amazing gigs. You know, So there's a lot of that sort of Facebook ennui thing that I think everybody suffers from. I don't get that on Twitter at all. Twitter, it's like I, I'm, I, I feel pumped after like engaging with like my Twitter family. Yeah, and I do feel it, it's, the, it's the cleverest, I think, of all the platforms. Uh, I mean, now with using photos and videos there, it – lessens that a little bit, but you look at some of the, some stand-up comedian accounts or some really sharp writers and yeah, those 140 characters, I think that's where you can really be, you can really be smart and clever and you can feel like you're taking something positive away instead of just, 
man, what are they feeding that baby? I can't believe how big he's getting when he's only a year old uh, that you get on some other, some other places. Right. A hundred percent. So I do, I love, uh, I mean, and I know certainly that they're trolls and you certainly see some of the things people say to other people, but I've never seen it personally. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like my, I'm blessed. And my Twitter universe is really positive. You have, you have met, you've solved the Twitter. If you're, if you're troll free, then you have some secrets to share. If I only had some wood to knock on in my office. But yeah, no, but I do. I really, and I love the Twitter parties. I mean, I'm a big scandal watcher and Homeland on Sunday nights. And so I love, I love the interconnectivity of that. It's a great event platform. And the, and the real time thing and finding funny things and smart, insightful things that other people are like, whoa, that's great. <laughs> All right, last one from the fun five. Number five, was there ever someone you saw in a casting or an audition or just talking to that you passed over that went on to blow up completely unrelated to you that you, you wish you could have gotten back? Oh my gosh. Okay. Not that I passed over, (laughs) (laughs) but Oh my God, so many, but one of my favorite ones all the time. And I, Oh my God, is Matt Lauer. What's that story? So way back in the day, I'm really dating myself, and I love him. Is um, he had been an entertainment host? That's where he came from on HBO. Mm-hmm. That gig ended, so um, he, you know, was like making the rounds. And I met with him a few times at VH1. Thought he was fabulous, right? I remember, he, you know, him coming up to the office and people thinking he was my boyfriend, which I loved. By the really? Way. Wow. This is a long, long. I mean, that, I tell you, this is like 25 years ago, and they'd be like, "Who's he?" I'm like, "Is that your boyfriend?" I'm like, "I wish." <laughs> um, anyway, and um, and same thing like. Um, you know, Tom Jameson, who's on that, uh, that metal show on VH1 Classic, he was my counterpoint at MTV, crazy, way back in the day. He and I both had the same sort of love fest for Matt Lauer. Anyway, I tried to, like, get him h- hired as a VJ. No shit, really? my boss, My bosses at the time passed didn't like him at all. Hmm. And then, um, and I will not name names. And then, um, you know, whatever, within six months, something... Um, you know, he's hired at local NBC. And then he was like the hardest working person because he would do the, you know, 5 a.m. or 5.30 a.m. or whatever that is, that 6 a.m. shift at, you know, local NBC in New York. Mm-hmm. Then he did a show called Live at 5. And then he did the 11 p.m. news. He was all, he just worked his ass off. And he was the guy who would throw live to the Today Show, you know, then when it came on live at 7 a.m. And then he became the fill-in host. He was the news reader, whatever. So Matt Lauer would be the first person I liked who um, had a great career. And it was lucky for them that we didn't hire them. <laughs> yeah, how different his life could have been. How different our mornings could have been nationwide, uh, Monday through Friday on NBC. Um, all right, Barbara, you've got to get going soon. So uh, before we let you go, uh, how about you plug whatever websites, whatever social media you'd like, where can people find you and what you're up to? Thank you for asking, Mike Janella. So you can find me on ableintermedia.com, which is A-B-E-L-I-N-T-E-R media.com, because my winter and spring uh, class schedule just went up. Mm. So we have levels one, two, and three. Plus, we have an amazing branding workshop with Phil Palin, who's a brand strategist from L.A. We used to do just an evening class. We've turned it into a full-day personal branding extravaganza, and that's happening Okay, I should have prepared better like in March, but um, that's on the website, and I really encourage people to come. And um, and you can find me at Twitter at Barbara Barna, and then on Instagram at Mrs. Babs Abel. 
All right. Which uh, I know I should take my own lessons and like everything should be consistent, but it's not. <laughs> that keeps the people guessing, keeps them on their toes. Um, and I'm on Pinterest, which nobody else is, but it's I love Pinterest and that's just fun. All right. There's plenty of places to find her, and I encourage you to visit them all. Uh, Barbara, thank you so very much. Uh, make sure to have a, a great holiday season, and I hope you don't have go too crazy with any shopping or anything with the kids. But uh, this was really a blast. Thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me. All right. And uh, for you folks listening, make sure to visit MikeJanella.com to find all previous episodes of the show, plus some information on the awesome outro music you're hearing right now. And we'll have links to all of Barbara's platforms where you can find her as well. Uh, make sure to subscribe, download, like on Stitcher, on iTunes. Give us all the stars and all the good ratings. And we will see you next time. Take care.